Hey everyone, this is Daniel here, just dropping in with a special episode. We had a chance recently to sit down with Pamela Lavitt, the Directors of Arts and Ideas and the Seattle Jewish Film Festival. Harry, any thoughts on the uh, the interview? The interview was great. You should definitely check out the interview and then check out the Seattle Jewish Film Festival, whether you're in Seattle, go in person, or it will be streaming online on the website, on the Seattle Jewish Film Festival's website. That'll be linked in the show notes. But it was awesome. It was a great conversation. I hope everyone stays on to listen. Yeah, absolutely. It's really nice to talk to people, you know, who have who share similar interests, but also have years of experience and has seen the sort of Jewish selection and, you know, the Jewish film themes evolve over time. And so we're really excited to share this uh, bonus episode. After this uh, episode drops in a few weeks, we'll be debuting our season four of Jews on Film. Uh, so far, we have some great episodes lined up. We're covering amazing films with amazing people. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back on 314 Pi Day for our season four debut. But for now, the 29th annual Seattle Jewish Film Festival runs from March 2nd to 17th in theaters and virtually, and you can check it out at seattlejff.org. Here's our interview with Pamela. Enjoy. Our guest today is the Director of Arts and Ideas on the Seattle Jewish Film Festival, Pamela Lavitt. Welcome to Jews on Film. Thanks. It's been a long time coming. We finally got this party going. Our, our shidduch finally happened. We're very glad to have you here. Um, being that Harry and I met in Seattle, and I live in Seattle currently, and we're both Jews and we love film, we, we thought it, it only made sense to talk to you about Jewish film and about the festival. Harry, do you want to kick it off with a question? One of the big tasks that we kind of have endeavored on in the course of making this podcast now running, you know, 50, 60 plus episodes is answering that all elusive question of what makes a film Jewish? You know, what is a Jewish film? And I wanted to ask your thoughts on this as someone who's curating a whole set of, you know, a whole festival on Jewish film. What do you look for? What do you see in any random movie that makes you say, yeah, this is definitely Jewish, you know, as broadly as you can think? I mean, there have been years where we've just giggled at the low watermark of they said Hanukkah, we're done. Mm -hmm. You know, I always go back to the sort of W.E.B. Du Bois notion of making art or making, you know, culture that is by, for, about, and near. And those are often some of the things that it needs to be by, potentially, but that's often not enough. So mm -hmm. a lot of Jewish filmmakers will submit their films and they'll say, but I'm Jewish. And I'll say, well, if you come and you explain to us how this is a Jewish film, then it becomes Jewish. It needs to somehow, you know, James Clifford, also a really well-known anthropologist, once said there's meaning made and then we make it meaningful, but I need a filmmaker to make it really meaningful to the Jewish community in some way. And if it's not in the content, then they have to represent the film. I always laugh. There was a film many years ago, a beautiful film called Hermanas, uh, came out of Argentina. It was premiered at the Hamptons. And it did not have the high watermark of Hanukkah. In fact, there was a Christmas tree and you didn't really know, but anyone who grew up in Argentina and my grandfather is from Argentina, you know that the baiting of the Jewish left was very much about a Jewish experience. Um, so the filmmaker was going to come and she was pregnant and she wound up not coming and we were all left holding the bag and it really didn't feel like a Jewish film without her. So we kind of learned our lesson, but the high watermark for the um, for the committee, and we have a very democratic process, 
is it usually does need to be about or feature some kind of subject or sensibility. It can be humor uh, that lights up that Jewish gene. You know, it just makes you feel like this is a Jewish sensibility film or it is a deeply, deeply Jewish film. So it's a feeling and also it needs to spark conversation between people that is Jewishly motivated. I love that. Yeah, I feel like having that sort of rubric helps, uh, you know, for sure, certainly programming film festivals, but it also helps us as we're discussing films on the podcast. Um, although, you know, we have these stretches where we're able to find the Jewish and everything. So you may want not, you know, don't don't bring us on to pick films because we'll be picking all these all sorts of films, you know. Literally, the committee has to sign a semi-contract that tells them what we mean by Jewish films. So it's actually at the get-go and not everyone on our committee is Jewish. And I think that that becomes a learning curve for them. Yeah. I wanted to ask, you know, this year, 2024, a lot's been going on. Uh, what are some of the new trends you're kind of seeing in Jewish films this year or the last few years that you haven't seen in years past? Any specific topics maybe being explored? Wow, that's a good one. That's very meta of you. I'm going right away because, you know, we have about 300 films a year that come either through Film Freeway or they come through looking at other avenues. And I have probably am lucky enough to only watch about 50 of them. I have almost need to bring in that amazing volunteer committee to sort of share those trends with you. But I would say that many of the films that we looked at this year, at least at the top levels of that made it through, um, were really not political in nature at all. They were very lyrical. Um, and especially the Israeli films, most of them, of course, were made in 2022, 2023. Um, you know, obviously before the current climate and uh, the challenges that everyone is facing um, with, you know, well, how can we speak to the current moment? Honestly, they're not speaking to the current moment. And so many of the films were small stories and very lyrical stories and very European, almost French. And I would say that that was true. Look, every year you have such a huge selection of films. Um, the Holocaust narratives, it's hard to compete against a film like Zone of Interest that's out there right, right now. Right, I yeah, mean, yeah. just... Yeah. You know, because you get the slice of life Holocaust stories this year. It's Irina's vow. We are always amazed at how many different prismatic versions of the Holocaust narrative you can bring. And those easily make up, you know, a third of the selections. Mm -hmm. But then you get a film like Zone of Interest that just it reminds me of Michelle Verhoeven's like Nasty Girl. Uh, it reminds me of his follow-up documentary, Human Failure, which is just about the failure of people to take conscientious responsibility for what's happening that just blow your socks off. So it's interesting in that genre. Obviously, we also have the opening night film, One Life. It's interesting to see a reprise of a documentary that was about Nicholas Winton. So I, I guess just like Broadway, you know, you get a really good story and you first make it into a film and then you make it into Broadway. And we're seeing a little bit of a resurgence of things that went well in documentary are now coming out in feature. Hmm. And I think that's kind of interesting because um, you can't make up true life, right? You you know, there's a lot of good screenwriters out there, but if you find something that has an incredible, compelling story, it just becomes a narrative feature. So that's one of the trends that we're seeing. Fascinating. 
Yeah, I find that to be really interesting, even just the way you're talking about the life cycle of kind of a true story and then how that evolves into first a documentary, then a movie, then maybe a play to, to kind of offer a more abstract take on it. And, you know, it evokes the conversation that Daniel and I had earlier about the zone of interest specifically in just the ways that, you know, the marking the trend of, I guess, Holocaust movies and how they've chosen to represent, you know, when you're kind of dealing with such tragedy. And we don't, you know, need to go into depth anymore about things that are going on. And I think you made a really good point about how a lot of the movies that are going to be debuting in the festival were probably, you know, written and mostly filmed before anything kind of politically began with Israel. But I think it will be interesting in the coming years to see how this is kind of processed and whether there's going to be anything kind of tackling it head on, or I think more likely in the immediate aftermath, something a little bit more lyrical and, you know, singularly focused. But well, there already is a film by Dookie Drawer that uh, just premiered. Uh, it came in too late for us. I think it's it's also a question of how do you process like I can't remember who it is I follow on Instagram, but she's like, we're getting back to Jewish joy and she's Israeli. And I think this festival is a respite for people. It's an eddy from from the space that people are living in every moment. But back to your point is uh, there's the film Supernova that just came out literally about this Nova music festival. And also <clears throat> funding is going to be very limited in Israel for quite a while. And right. there was a great panel. I think the JCC in Manhattan convened it uh, of filmmakers that the money that they, like Canada, are often getting to make small films and big films, even the short films, most of them in our festival this year are Israeli. They come out of schools like there's going to be a real retrenchment or a pullback on funding for Israeli cinema as well. So I think that's something that will also impact how they process. But there is one film that just premiered, I think, at the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival um, about the Nova Music Festival. And I'm not sure that we were ready to do that. And next year's the 30th anniversary of the film festival. And again, people look to this festival for celebration, just like they do for our chef events that we run. We we had a chef event with Adina Sussman from Israel about a week after, and we weren't sure anybody would show up. And we're finding that people really want to come out. They really want to see films. Um, and all the Israeli films this year are Ophir winners or nominees. So either they swept or they got nominated and none of them are really that grueling of a film as many Israeli films can be. So yeah, no, that, that that's really interesting. That uh, that makes sense. And like I said, I'm eager to kind of see how this evolves and definitely yeah. to check out that Nova film, which sounds, you know, challenging, but right. um, yeah. uh, just to shift gears a little bit. I know you mentioned this earlier, just kind of, I think you were alluding to some of the, uh, you know, the Jewish audience that you're forecasting, but I actually wanted to ask when you're putting together this festival, are you envisioning a Jewish, uh, a mostly Jewish audience that might want to see themselves on screen? Do you, uh, do you, or you, I guess you probably know better, you know, you'd probably know pretty well, you know, does the audience sometimes make up, you know, a combination of both those who are Jewish and those who might not be, but are eager to kind of learn about Jewish film? When you ask a question of someone who's running this festival for 19 years, that's really hard because I have so much information. I have to right. really parse Sorry. it out. The first thing I'll say is for many years, we were 70-30. So, you know, 60-40, 70-30. Those were the percentages of people who identified or disidentified as Jewish, but that <laughs> that that's who we were serving. We see ourselves, and this is also why we have an Arscus party this year, you know, we're like, we see ourselves as part of the landscape. It's just the mosaic of Jewish Jewish cinema has something to say to the wider landscape of of independent um, cinema in our community. We have lots of relationships with Tusfier, South Asian Film Festival, Seattle Latina. Like we all talk to each other, 
Um, but what we love to do is this festival was first came out of an organization that that I worked at for eight years, whose mission it was to not only, you know, present Jewish life and our representation injected into this wider area where I always say you can't see a Jew if I hit another Jew with a bagel in Seattle the way I could growing up in New York. Um, so we felt our responsibility was first and foremost to have our community, whether they were affiliated or not, get us whether they were mixed heritage or disidentified whatever get a sense of who they are at this festival and that was our primary audience as part of the jcc our mission is the same as the jcc's and our mandate is to amplify profound experiences of jewish life and culture for everyone and hopefully every generation and so that mission is really inbred into this but the third part is um I thrive personally as a curator, as the producer of this festival on interfaith, intergroup dialogues, and the idea that you can have people come together over film and break bread or see nuance. And for years, we ran a program called Film Talks, where we invited the schools in to see a film and teach Jewish values right that way, the Jewish value of conversation and dialogue rather than, you know, conflict has its own place in the Jewish world as well. But so I would say um, the films in this festival, like Rabbi in the Block, Call Me Dancer, um, you know, even The Secret Sabbath, which is about, you know, Mexican conversos, um, those have get picked sometimes because they really have potential for cross conversation and to try to, um, I don't know, super too conalami, but try to repair some some of that. I love showing films like we had a film about Mahmoud Darwish, who was, you know, the Palestinian national poet, but most people didn't realize that he had he was briefly married to a Jewish woman because they fell in love and and their poetry. And so to recapture an idea or Jews of the Amazon, I love that story about people who wound up in the Amazon. So I always call those the Jews in Strange Places conversation. But I think it's really great to break open. My favorite moments are when folks from the Indian or the South Asian community come in and they realize that there are Indian Jews. Oh, my God, like had no idea. I live in Bellevue. Didn't know this. Um, I think even Seven Blessings, breaking open the Moroccan Jewish traditions, Arabic speaking Jews, Mizrahi Jews. It gets us out of our singular way of being Jewish. I wanted to tag on to your thought of like Jews in fun places. You know, being that we are Jews in Seattle, I wanted to ask, you know, for for ourselves and for our listeners, if you could kind of paint a picture of what it what the Jewish scene is like in Seattle in terms of the film going audience or just Seattle film audience in general. Um, you know, what are some of the challenges, you know, with Seattle um, and, and kind of finding that that common ground for people to come to the, a festival like this and, and check out some of the movies. Yeah, I mean, we're lucky that we have like 18 to 25 times to get it right, you know. Um, so we sort of shoot for something for everyone is the, you know, and try to try to create as broad a spectrum of possibility. Um, I would say that, you know, the Sephardic Spotlight took a lot of work to get that off the ground. It took a lot of relationship building. Um, because we wanted the Sephardic community to really embrace and come out. At first, we sometimes have three or four Sephardic films, but in the purest sense that they believe that Turkey Roads in Greece are the places of representation in mm -hmm. Seattle for right. Seattle. Um, we try to definitely, you know, throw some red meat there. And it's a rubric of the festival. Like it happens every year. We are going to highlight that. Um, 
and it's it's been interesting for me because I'm a Yiddish speaker and I'm like I try to avoid Yiddish in our festival a little bit because we want to highlight little less of that you know Ashka normativity and try to focus right. on more of the of the nuance of our own community. We very much are curating for this community too. The hardest part is family films. Like there mm. is it just it doesn't exist. You can't give international like we would love to have a children's film festival. Um, mm. but you know, Flyville, you know, whatever in the the mouse one. Right, they, right, like right. that's there's one film that is like appropriate for five years. Show it on loop. and 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 people are generally just happy in a jcc way we have a we have a free sunday matinee for families that we just open up our beautiful theater on mercer island and you come with a blanket and some food and you can just enjoy yourself with your family for free because we have you know certain rights to show things as long as we're not charging and so we satisfy that itch a little bit but um i would say that there is a little bit of what a JCC wants to produce versus what a real like independent cinema experience would want to produce. And sure. there are sometimes conversations around what's kind of outside the bound of of comfort, or I would even say our f- people in our audience still skews a little bit older, you know, mm-hmm. 45 to 85, sweet spot for Jewish film festivals across the country. They really love you know, both nostalgia and they love comedy and the artsy stuff, not so much, hey. you know, <laughs> I've <right>. shown, <laughs> yeah, I've shown Tevye der Melchodecker in the original Yiddish refurbished. Yeah. We have a virtu- a silent film with a live score for the closing night. It is not, I've done with Alicia Spiegel's and Donald Sosen. I've done two previous uh, silent movie Mondays at the Paramount Theater with, with cinema that is um, Jewish cinema, um, and those were refurbished films, but they don't really like the old stuff. They want new, new, new. And mm-hmm. so it, so the tastes of our community for the cinema, um, they have some things that they just don't show up to. And we've discovered that. We tried teen screens for a couple of years because we had a great, great animated film with Elliot Gould playing the dad last year and just didn't have the traction that we wanted to. I mean, to reach teens, you have to find a different way. Um, virtual has given us a little bit more flexibility. Sure, yeah. We hear back from people that, oh yeah, my kids watched with me. And so we don't know what's going on at home all the time, but we know that our audience has expanded at home, but not in the theater always. Right. Certainly the theater going experience, like globally has been impacted by COVID and the ability with HDTVs and digital, you know, I'm, I'm not saying anything new here, but yeah, I think appetites have certainly changed, um, especially being able to watch films, uh, you know, at home is, uh, is, is a necessity, I think. Yeah, we're trying to get that 20% of audience that said, I won't come back because I don't want to park. I don't want to do this. Right. Or I don't want to do that. We're trying no. to get them back in with like food and music. Like we've had to, this is where Jewish film festivals and specifically our festival have kind of moved more towards uh, a producer, an event producer that mm-hmm. we are judging everything up as much as possible to say, this is where community is built, you know, lights, camera, community, mm-hmm. get, br- get to the theater, right? You're not going to build that at home. Absolutely. Yeah. And making this sort of like an experience as opposed to you just go in and you sit down, like having that whole thing, I think, uh, 
is is really sort of that unique uh, value add that you get when you go to like a film festival. So absolutely, um, yeah. I, I think it goes all the way back to that first comment you made about what makes a film Jewish. You know, inspiring Jewish conversation around it. Like really, you know, putting an audience in dialogue with the movie with the whole slate. Like I think that's really uh, something that's lost. You know, when we have to kind of watch these movies uh, at home or when we choose to. Yeah. <laughs> We don't have to. Um, uh, I wanted to uh, to end off by asking you a fun question. We, uh, you know, Daniel already mentioned this, but one of the most fun things we do on our podcast is take movies, you know, that are normally guest suggested that are not, you know, very Jewish, at least at first glance. And we come in with our ridiculous kind of over the top clever reads to try to, you know, convince ourselves maybe in our audience that it might be Jewish. Yep. yep. And uh, I wanted to ask if, and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll add one thing that Daniel and I have said is because we now have to watch movies for the podcast, even when we're watching movies not for the podcast, we get just to, can't help ourselves. Right, even when we get to, right? Watching <laughs> movies is such a pleasure. But even when we get to watch movies not for the podcast, like we can't help but kind of read it with that Jewish lens. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to hear if you have that same experience, you know, being so focused on curating this. And then also, bonus, if you could mention any movie that might come to mind that might not have initially been, you know, intended to be a Jewish film, but, you know, you couldn't help yourself and read it that way. And, you know, maybe you can pick one of the Oscar nominees with the Oscars coming up or something else. <laughs> no to make pressure, that no pressure, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, we can cut this. If, yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, I wish that I had prepared for that question because I, I know that you asked that or you've asked that of people before to discuss a film and like kind of start pulling it apart. I would love to sort of like recover Barbie. Obviously, many of us in the Jewish world have. I mean, Tiffany Schlein has. Um, you know, Tiffany Schlein's The Tribe has looked at Ruth Handler and the history of the Barbie and how it was created by Ruth Handler, who, you know, was a Jewish woman with breast cancer for her daughter. And I, I would say that that might be something that one could try to go back and and reread. I, the movie that came to mind immediately because everybody like looks at the Jesus character of the Matrix, but mm. I would say that maybe you get a little bit of a read of you know I can't remember the name of like the Sodics that live among us that know the truth, um, and it, and so there's yeah. something to be said the 39, about uh, exactly yeah. exactly yeah. 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 And if you, yeah, and I remember at Altana Bagels, like Stephen Brown once told me, like he has a he has a whole thing about about that um, in his in Altana. Uh, I think there's a chair on the ceiling or something that you Incredible. can read about it. <laughs> exactly, but um, but yeah, I would say that I try as much to recover um, a lot of films in a Jewish way. But honestly, when you watch as many Jewish films and you have Jew so many Jewish films under your belt, I definitely am so into my escapist the crown and you know mm. all of these places where sure. there's no recovery jewishly at all um but for me um you know my background in like folklore and oral history and other things is like that storytelling element and just any kind of argument argumentation where people stay engaged to me i'm like that is super jewish so you know even if it's who's afraid of virginia wolf the most absolutely not jewish right. film that you can imagine with you know the goyim going at it i'm just like this is extremely jewish because you stay engaged and you still love each other and there's certain elements of that so i would just say maybe a little bit of an overlay there sure. of, of how i would how i interpret things in a jewish way I mean, it sounds like we need to have you on for a full-fledged episode to di dissect Barbie and the Jewish elements. I think that's the Matrix. You know. Yeah, really. Well, I mean, do you guys do you guys know Tiffany Schlein's short film? 
I the don't. tribe. No, okay, I... now you're going to go watch it on okay. screen. And um, the tribe really um, threw everyone. It, it's an absolutely brilliant, brilliant short film that we did premiere in the festival. Tiffany was one of our Real Difference Award winners, but she told the story of Barbie. So why not? Why not make that happen? So at our Oscars party, I'm going to come as Jewish Barbie. Incredible. Love there you it. go. I know it's like, I know you mentioned like a number of titles for this year's festival. Are there maybe like top three, top five? I'm so happy doing this because I do have my notes here, but it is definitely like choosing children. Um, right. And I have twins, so I can never choose a child. Um, you know, look, Call Me Dancer premiered at the Tosphere Film Festival this year, but it's just so good that we had to show it again. It has everything. I mean, it makes you want to stand up and cheer. It's against all odds, under, underdog story. It is the story of a talented break dancer, Manish, from the streets of Mumbai, who literally gets his break dancing from a very curmudgeonly Israeli um, you know, ballet master. And it's just hope, heartache, and hard work. I mean, that is... And it's intercultural in the sense that it has the possibility to show how how two people can lift each other up and go through something together. I it's one of my favorite films in the festival this year. You know, I I feel almost bad promoting our opening night film at this point. One Life is the film, and it stars Anthony Hop Sir Anthony Hopkins and Helena Bonham Carter and a whole lot of other folks. Um, James Hawks uh, Hawes is the uh, director. He's doing an introduction at the festival virtually. Um, but I mean, this is his debut feature film. He's someone who's known for a lot of well-known television, like Slow Horses and you know um, uh, Black Mirror. But this is a big deal for him that he sure. took a risk on this story. The Nicholas Winton documentary that it was based on was already tremendous, and this performance by Sir Anthony Hopkins is just so unbelievably understated. So I'll just put in a plug that if you can't make it to the festival and we hope you will because you'll want to dance and do the dj beforehand and eat Absolutely. the truffle popcorn and all the yep. fun yeah you can catch it it's opening up theatrically on march 15th it won't come with the community but it'll still be an important and inspiring film i would say if i had one more film to put in for i would definitely say seven blessings we already mentioned it but Seven Blessings is just an absolute it's a difficult film it's high intense heartache wrapped in a comedy of sorts, but it is, you know, the Moroccan community, it's in Israel, has its own amazing traditions. And I learned something just about that in watching the film and the performance. It swept the Israeli Oscars. It won 11 Israeli Oscars, including Best Actress, Best Director, uh, Best Film. So that's a great one to come and see. And I'll just put in a small plug that where can you see shorts other than a film festival? And they're online, they're at Hillel, they're free for students. Uh, we're showing it at Walla Walla in partnership with the Walla Walla Movie Crush, uh, Warren Etheridge being the curator. I, I think he's done an incredible job this year of bringing like these shorts together. And of course, we're premiering uh, The Boy, which is uh, Yahav Winner, who was killed on October 7th. This was a film he submitted to the festival before he died. Um, and blessed be his memory. Uh, I we're really happy to include it and want people to see his film. It's really amazing. Wow, those all sound like terrific picks. Uh, <laughs> there's so many to choose from, uh, but everyone can go check out all the the slate upcoming uh, at seattlejff.org, and we'll definitely put a link to the festival in our show notes. 
Pamela Lavitt, thank you so much for being here to discuss um, everything that's going on in the festival and, you know, the current state of affairs with, with Jewish film in general. Thank you for taking the time to share that with all with us and also making some really good pitches for some future episodes because definitely going to really take fun. you up on some of those. Yeah. yeah. Well, I now I now know that I'm not alone in talking about Jewish films. So hopefully that this is this will be something that we all get to do again because um, it's fun to to understand like you guys have also a level of depth in your understanding and your love of Jewish films. So thanks for that. Yeah, absolutely. Our pleasure. Jews on Film is hosted and produced by Daniel Zana and Harry Ottensaucer. Daniel Zana edited this episode. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Jews on Film and subscribe to our podcast to get new episodes. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.